Welcome to this episode of Church Grammar. Today's episode is brought to you by Lexham Press. Lexham Press seeks to produce works that will increase biblical literacy in conversation with the great tradition of Christian theological reflection. You should check out the Studies in Historical and Systematic Theology series, a peer-reviewed monograph series exploring key issues in contemporary scholarship. Learn more at lexhampress.com. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Instead of a conversation with a scholar or Bible teacher, which will obviously still be one of the primary things that we do on this podcast, I thought I'd try out just talking through a question that we ask as we approach the uh, Easter time, the idea that God died on the cross. If Jesus is fully God and he died on the cross, what do we do with that? How do we think through that? What are some things we need to avoid? What are some questions we can ask and what are some things that we can say? So I'm going to go through that today. You can actually see a version of this in an article that I wrote at the Center for Baptist Renewal called, Did God Die on the Cross, the Trinity, and the Crucifixion? So if you want to read this, uh, you can check that out. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy thinking through this. Please let me know what you think at churchgrammar at gmail.com if you like this type of episode to do alongside some of the conversations that we have. Today's episode is brought to you by BH Academic. You can go to bhacademic.com to check out all of their latest releases and all of their offerings. We're also brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible, csbible.com, an English translation that is faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity. And now, here's my talk on Did God Die on the Cross? But first, no big deal. Right, so the Easter season raises a lot of questions about Jesus, about the person and work of Jesus. What do we do with some of the things that we see in Scripture, some of the tensions, some of the questions that arise that maybe Scripture doesn't give us just a plain verse on, right? Sometimes we have to think through different verses, different theological ideas to make sense of some of the things that we see in Scripture. Of course, we always want to be careful as we think through these things not to go too far into speculation. Uh, not to go too far in analogies and trying to say things that maybe Scripture is not wanting us to say or not giving us to say. We want to hang, as the church fathers would always say, in that mystery, in that tension between the fact that God is incomprehensible and there are things that we don't know, while at the same time remembering that God is knowable, that he has given us his word, and that there are things that we can say about who Christ is, about who God is, and about how some of these things work that we see in Scripture. So a common question worth reflecting on is, did God die on the cross? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, did God die on the cross? Now, this question has been discussed for millennia. Okay, this is nothing new. It's been addressed in every era of church history. The church fathers addressed this issue head on with modalists, those who would teach that basically the Father, Son, and Spirit are not persons, but different faces or masks or modes of God. Okay, they taught the heresy of patropassianism, the idea that the Father became incarnate and suffered on the cross, right? If you believe that God just appears in different forms, then it's not really a separate person, the Son, dying on the cross, but rather the Father, rather God suffering on the cross. You also have church fathers who are arguing against the Nestorians when we talk about this question. They taught that the divine and human natures existed in two persons, a divine Lagos, and then the human, Jesus Christ, 
two persons in one body. So the way I describe it to students is that Nestorians see Jesus as a sort of a Siamese twin, right? He's two persons kind of connected together, kind of loosely, these two natures pulled together. Okay, this was the heresy of Nestorianism. We could get you in trouble if you go down that road as we ask this question. Martin Luther at the Reformation asserted that if only a man died on the cross and not God himself, we are lost. John Calvin reasoned that only man could truly die and only God could truly overcome death, thus the necessity for Christ to be the God-man who died on the cross. Okay, so these are a few people in church history who have said something to the effect that, yes, God does die on the cross in some sense, right? Now, one of the most common ways I think modern evangelicals make a mistake on this question is poorly handling Jesus' cry of dereliction in Matthew 27, where he quotes Psalm 22.1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Depending on the translation you see. The language here could imply that the father, quote, turned his face away, as the famous hymn says, or abandoned Jesus, somehow leaving Jesus alone on the cross to bear the wrath of mankind's sin. Okay, so sometimes when we think about Jesus dying on the cross and we had this idea that he was forsaken, abandoned, that God turned away from him, some ideas of uh, kind of hyper-modern canonicism, this idea that Jesus kind of puts his divinity on the shelf while he's in uh, his ministry and is only a spirit-empowered man, but not really fully God, or at least not accessing his full divinity. These type of decisions that we make theologically can affect how we view the question that we're asking today. I would argue that Jesus was not forsaken or abandoned on the cross, but rather if you see the way the gospel writers use Psalm 22, different parts of Psalm 22 in different uh, gospel accounts and different stories of the crucifixion, you see that actually good biblical hermeneutics tells us that if something is quoted in the New Testament from the Old Testament or even an Old Testament quote of another Old Testament passage, that we should go look at the context. So in Psalm 22, Actually, what we see is that David cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? And by the end of the psalm, he says, of course, you don't abandon me. Of course, you haven't turned away from me. In fact, it says you did not turn your face away. And I think the gospel writers are thinking of this when they record what happens to Jesus on the cross. Matthew says, my God, my God, why did you forsaken me? Luke talks about different parts of the psalm. And I think they're painting a picture for us there of the idea that Jesus is identifying with David, right? He's this king who is suffering, this king who is crying out to God. But in the end, we know that he's not abandoned. Okay, so we don't have to think about this in terms of the Trinity being broken, of somehow the two persons of the Trinity turning their back on the Son of God, these types of things. If we actually think through the hermeneutical and theological implications here, we don't have to say that. Now, that's another podcast probably for another day, but I think it's helpful to think through that a little bit as we answer the question that we're answering today. If you go over to secundumscripturis.com, the biblical reasoning blog, uh, Matthew Emerson has two really good reflections on this. And if you go to uh, the post on Center for Baptist Renewal that I am uh, kind of basing this off of, you can see a link to go there. He handles a lot of really good questions about what do we do with Jesus on the cross? What do we do with the cry of dereliction? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it's good to think about as we go through this. Okay, so did God die on the cross? The short answer is yes. Okay, there's a few ways we could say this. We could say God the Son died in the person of Jesus Christ. We could say something like Steve Wellam says, God the Son incarnate died. Uh, Ryan Putman prefers to say God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, experienced death in his human nature. Or we could say something like God the Son died according to his human nature. Okay, these are different ways of making the same point. So we have to deal with the fact that Jesus is God. We have to deal with the fact that Jesus is both God and man. And we have to deal with the fact that Jesus died, right? So Jesus is God, 
Jesus is both God and man, and Jesus died. Okay, so this is complicated, of course. It must be dealt with without falling into some of the heresies we already talked about, some of the mistakes in hermeneutics and in theology that we've already talked about. So I think to explain this, to say God the Son died on the cross, or God experienced death in his human nature through Jesus, we have to go through a few caveats. Okay, so some things that we don't want to say when we say this, some things to think about when we make this conclusion. Okay, first, let's remember the hypostatic union. Let's remember that Jesus Christ is two natures in one person, fully God, fully man. This is the most foundational theological principle of Christology, that Jesus is fully God, fully man, hypostatic union. Okay, forget this, and you'll run toward all sorts of age-old heresies. Okay, second, his divine nature did not die or cease to exist. So when we say that God died on the cross or experienced death on the cross, we don't want to say his divine nature died or ceased to exist. Okay, God the Son in his divine nature continued to exist, even after his death on the cross, continued to sustain the universe. One person of the Trinity cannot cease to exist for any time without indicating mutability or changeability in God's nature. Now, of course, we know that God is mutable, immutable, incapable of change. So it would certainly jeopardize fundamental affirmations about the doctrine of God to assert that on the cross, some sort of uh, separation, some sort of loss of Trinitarian relations, some sort of death of divine nature happened on the cross. Okay, we don't want to say that. God is immutable. God is incapable of change. So we don't want to start talking about his nature changing or being altered in some way on the cross, that his divine nature died or ceased to exist. Third, and relatedly, neither God the Father nor God the Holy Spirit died on the cross. Okay, the Trinity was not all of a sudden in disarray, confused, conflated, separated, out of order. The Father sent the Son. He did not send himself. The Holy Spirit did not himself put on flesh, even though he was clearly involved in the incarnation at conception. Okay, so we need to dispel any notions of other Trinitarian persons dying on the cross when we talk about this. Okay, so we don't want to go on the one end and say the Father died on the cross, the Father turned his face away from Jesus. On both of those, we have an idea of the Trinitarian relations being messed up, being confused, being broken. We don't want to do any of that. Fourth, the body of God the Son in his human nature died and was buried. Okay, so with any human death, Jesus' body was separated from his soul or spirit, and his soul did not cease to exist. Okay, so he goes into the ground, body in the grave, soul spirit still exists. In his resurrection, his body and soul were rejoined together just like ours one day, right? If we die before Jesus returns, our bodies will go into the grave as we await the final resurrection. But we will not cease to exist because our soul will be in the presence of the Lord or not in the presence of the Lord. Okay, the immortality of the soul is well attested in biblical language. There are phrases in the Bible like the perishable body dies, but the soul spirit will be with him in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My soul will live with him even in death. Right? These are biblical language saying that even if our body dies, even if we die in this life, our soul spirit lives on and will ultimately be in the presence of God or separated from God. Okay, the Christian tradition have all taught this in a pretty clear unanimity. Irenaeus, Tertullian, Athanasius, Cyril, Gregory of Nyssa, Chrysostom, Augustine all teach the immortality of the soul. Okay, so why would the fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, be any different? Okay, he's a unique human, but he's still fully and truly human. When I talk to my students about Jesus' humanity, I want to say, yes, he is a unique human. Yes, he is God in the flesh. 
Okay, there are all these implications of that, but nonetheless, he is still fully and truly human. So we need to account for this when we talk about the death and burial of Christ. Therefore, finally, the human body of God the Son died, but the hypostatic union of two natures was never separated, broken, or compromised. Okay, so we affirm that Jesus Christ is the God-man, hypostatic union. He never ceased to be the God-man in his birth. He never ceased to be the God-man in his ministry. He never ceased to be the God-man in death and resurrection. He now stands ascended in heaven as our mediator, as the God-man, and will return one day as the God-man to join our souls or spirits to our resurrected body. Therefore, we must affirm that God the Son died that day on Golgotha, but he in no way, shape, or form ceased to exist or experienced ontological separation from the Father or the Spirit. Okay, so as we've already mentioned, human nature doesn't cease to exist in death. Rather, our body perishes, but our soul lives to God. Jesus' human nature, like ours, still existed in his death because his soul is immortal. And thus, his human nature still lives, even if his body is dead. If Jesus' human nature died or ceased to exist in some sense for three days, this would indicate not only a death of his soul, that he literally wasn't around for three days, but also a split in his person, right? Only half of Jesus would exist for three days while his body was in the tomb if either his divine nature or his human nature ceased to exist. We'd just have a half Jesus. We'd have a break in the hypostatic union. So we need to affirm then that the human soul of Jesus remained alive, thus his nature did not die, but that he experienced a real human death like all of us, body in the ground, soul with the Lord. And his resurrected body, like ours one day, was raised and perishable, and he now lives as the God-man who will never die again. Yes, God came and rescued us. God, in Christ, substituted himself for us. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't sacrifice his nature or character or power. He didn't pretend to die on the cross. It wasn't a mirage. No, he himself put his nature, character, and power on full display on the cross. His cross was a victory chariot disguised as a torture device. And that is good news.